P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And I'm here with Matt. And I'm here with Shelby. And this Shelby. is episode six. Oh, yeah. We're all doing the it. Hype, all the hype for episode <laughs> six. Yeah, totally. This is a crowd pleaser for sure. Yeah. We're talking about Christopher Robin, and if you hated this movie, you're a horrible person. <laughs> I take it you, like, really loved it. Wait, is this the first thing we've covered that you loved? Well, I like Sharp Objects, but that oh, was yeah, a TV yeah, yeah. show. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you got to see a movie. Yeah. I know. It's the it's first so non-like blockbustery thing we've covered. <laughs> and of course, That's I'm like, yes! Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, so artsy. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, the Pooh Bear. You're such a good actor. Yes. Um, before we get started, though, we should tell people about our social media, how they can find us and follow us. Oh, yes. So we're exciting. Just, Stay yeah, up to we're date. So many new followers, so much engagement. It's such an exciting time to be a part of our community. So find us mm-hmm. on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook at PS You're Wrong and you can always email us to your thoughts, concerns, praise at PS You're Wrong at Gmail. So that's yeah. like where it's at right now. It's totally blowing up. Our last tweet got like two likes. So Wow. <laughs> wow. And my mom doesn't have Twitter, <laughs> yeah. so it wasn't her. I know. That's the thing. They're total strangers. So And and you can subscribe to us and Yes rate us and give us reviews um somebody i'm we've got lots of reviews aka like 10 and i'm just gonna read one uh <laughs> okay a little pat on the back for us i'm excited so whistler 86 who i do not know maybe you know this person, I, don't know I don't know that one i was yeah no i don't know that one said absolutely entertaining exclamation point Whistler's Ooh. very hyped on us. This is going to be a must continue to listen. Watch Jurassic Park right after listening to episode one because you reminded me of how fabulous it is. Shelby, oh, yeah. you're bringing people back to Jurassic Park. I know. I'm doing the Lord's work, y'all. But then Whistler says, unlike Fallen Kingdom. Gah. Yeah. Which we can <laughs> Did agree. you write this? Sucked. Did you write this? No. Yeah, this I, I rated yours. ourselves. I'm yeah. a really good Whistler, guys. And then they yeah. said, you guys are magnificent. So, you know. Aww. That's sweet and totally true. You know, that's totally our vibe is just magnificence. And I that's don't so think nice. that I'm related to the person who wrote that review. So. I know. I, I feel like everyone I harassed left like their messages that were like, this is a fine podcast. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> That's why I didn't read any of those. Yeah. <laughs> I picked the yeah. best one. Handpicked it. You did. That's and if you great. write the best review, dear listener, <laughs> maybe I'll you read can yours be next week. Next. Yes. yes. Oh, that's so exciting. We love we love being told we're magnificent. So just keep that coming. Yeah. Five star magnificent. That's the reviews <laughs> that we're looking for. We should probably get into this week's entertainment Ooh. news. Shelby, yes. tell me something I don't know. Okay, I'm I'm sure you've heard of it. There's this little show called The Bachelor, and Ugh. it was actually The Bachelorette. So the finale was last night. So if you're unfamiliar with the show, basically, she has to choose a suitor out of like 30 people. And the final episode is the last two men standing. And it's always very dramatic. Anyone 
is listening to this podcast, an entertainment podcast, and <laughs> yeah. has not figured out the plot I just don't premise make of assumptions. The Bachelor. <laughs> yeah, I know you watch a lot of like, you know, Survivor and Big Brother. So I just wanted to give you the more mainstream reality show taste. What? So um, no 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 no. I sw- I think that the survivor gets more viewers than the bachelor. I'll have to investigate. I this. don't know. Yeah, you'll have to look into that because uh, the bachelor is a pretty big deal, and I don't think the survivor winners get to go on Jimmy Kimmel or live with Kelly and whoever her host is, and like yeah, do but this the whole people tour. who the people who get voted <laughs> off a of Big Brother get to go on the talk with Julie oh. Chen. That's a daytime <laughs> talk show host. And I think right. uh, that like uh, Sharon Osbourne is one of the hosts of it. Oh, wow. So okay. I stand corrected. It's but a big deal. So in that in that regard, then I guess Bachelor's more of like a quiet, non-mainstream show. So I just want yes, to give everyone yes. a taste for what it is. Mm-hmm. But basically, Becca was the Bachelorette. She had two guys left. Blake, who was who was emotionally mature. He was very respectful of her and really proud of her, you know, independence. And then there was Garrett, who, whose biggest claim to fame was once he was on the show, his old like history and Instagram was outed and he had liked a bunch of crazy, like not only conservative, but like really offensive stuff about like transgenders and um border control and he liked to post about how the parkland survivors were crisis actors so just like (laughs) you get a picture for him as a person and it's not necessarily the greatest so everyone was rooting against him uh, can we go back how do you can figure out what things someone has liked on instagram i had the same question i don't know people like do this all the time whenever someone suddenly becomes famous or whatever they're like look at these likes and i'm like ah how'd you find those so i don't know i really don't i guess there must be some sort of i'm gonna pull up my instagram right now see if you can see all the puppy photos i like i I don't know terrified i'm not liking another thing on facebook (laughs) <laughs> Everyone knows. Who knows if, if one I of the know, ice cream shops sure. I follow turns out to be racist. <laughs> yeah, I know. But he like made an apology about it that was sort of like a non-apology. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the whole season has sort of been like, ugh, Garrett, I don't want him to win. But everyone sort of knew he would. And spoiler alert, he definitely won. So basically <sighs> the drama was she left Blake high and dry. And like it was kind of... A weird season finale because a lot of times I mean every single season one dude is left one dude or girl is left heartbroken crying weeping about how they thought they were just about to get engaged and then were blindsided when the person chose the other person but this time they really were like lol look at Blake totally lose it like Chris Harrison was just like this is honestly the most like dramatic breakup I've ever seen. He was just truly destroyed. Here, watch now. And it was like sort of weird. And then Becca, who during the whole episode had been really torn and she was like, I've always thought Blake would be the one, but now I have all these feelings for Garrett. And basically in the breakup scene where he's about to get down on one knee and she's like, wait, hold up. I don't think I can do this because whenever I was with you, I just felt like I was so enamored. I wasn't giving the guys another 
the other guys another a chance which is sort of like to me a really good sign like you're not thinking about other people when you're with this guy but yeah. she found that to be a flaw but so the real drama though was after the show they do this live like reunion show called after the final rose where uh, they um, do that on survivor too Oh, really? Oh, okay. So Survivor gets a lot of inspiration from The Bachelor because they had this show and they let Blake and his ex-girlfriend Becca sit down. And Becca was like, yeah, basically, I was just worried like you were too emotional. And like, I was worried if you got so stressed out in this situation where you're you're competing with 27 guys for the heart of one girl and you don't know where I stand at all. It would mean that you'd be bad handling like a kid's bad report card. And I'm paraphrasing there, but it's basically, (laughs) that's basically what happened, which just is like, Becca, that's rude. It was a mean way to like dump someone and who you just dumped on national television. And then you're like rubbing salt in the wound by basically saying you're unlovable because you have anxiety or something. Oh, and the real like cherry on top was that this guy, Blake, had survived a school shooting like in high school. What? And... Yeah, no, yeah. He had, like, this crazy life. So he survived a school shooting in high school. His mom left his dad for one of his high school teachers and other stuff, too. And it's, like, this guy clearly is, like, very mature. He's very, like, centered. And, yeah, he has emotional vulnerability but it's not like he doesn't know how to function under crisis you know what i mean but do you think that he could have also been a crisis actor (laughs) yeah that's probably what garrett told becca that's what garrett said (laughs) he's like no don't worry but garrett is such a dumb person and i'm sorry i'm talking about this so much but like garrett is like even if i didn't know all his weird like history I just, he's not the smartest, like, person you see on this show, and that's saying something, because they're all kind of a little dumb, but Garrett, just to give you a taste, he was, like, having his one-on-one with Becca, and it's, like, their last night, and they're supposed to be really vulnerable and romantic, and he's, like, you know, people talk about getting butterflies, but with you, it's, like, it's not that soft a feeling. With you, I get eagles. (laughs) What?! He that is ridiculous. That. I, I did quote. not watch any of the show, and he <laughs> sounds like a total moron. But don't they always get, they like break up most of the time, anyways? And then won't nice, yeah, poor do. crisis actor Brett Blake, be on yeah. the next, yeah, whatever, be on the next yeah. season as The Bachelor? Yeah, that's the hope. I'm not sure if he'd be a great Bachelor because you kind of need someone who's, I don't know, a few emotionally and kind grounded. Of like, <laughs> He's a little too, like, anxious. No, there's a few contenders for the next Bachelor, so it'll be interesting to see who they pick. There are a few guys this season who everyone loved, including Blake, and then there's talks of bringing back some old favorites from past seasons. So it's kind of interesting. The whole show is sort of, like, on the decline. This was the worst-watched finale of the entire franchise, so it's sort of like... wow. Yeah, it's kind of on a downward downward spiral, I guess. And they keep picking these horrible people, you know. They also had someone who was who's literally uh um uh he's a he was charged with a sexual assault, so he's a what is that term? I'm uh, sorry, rapist. I'm drawing a blank. He's a sex offender. No. Sex offender. <laughs> That's what sex he is. Sex offender. He's a sex offender and ding, he got ding, on the ding. show. Ding, ding, ding. We have a winner. 
<laughs> there were a lot of problematic dudes this year. So uh. who knows how it'll go. But it was still an eventful time. And um, it'll be interesting to see how long they last. I don't think many people are holding their breath. But maybe she just wanted some, like, dumb, dumb hunk that she could kind of train to be whoever she wants him to be. So. Well, that sounds horrible. <laughs> Love is alive. But yeah. if you are looking for something <laughs> trashy to watch now that The Bachelor's <laughs> over, you can try Big Brother. Uh, which is, Big which is Brother. alive and kicking and doing well. Yeah, I thought we've already talked about this on the podcast. Yeah, I have, a, I, have, I, have, I have something else. I have something else to bring up, Shelby. Shut up. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. So... On, a, on an oddly similar note, I don't know if you heard about this, but do you know anything about James Gunn and the Guardians of the Galaxy drama that's unfolding? Oh, yes. I forgot this happened. Yes. So, Tell me that. Remind me. Yes. For anyone who is not up to date, James Gunn was hired to direct Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I believe he also directed number 2. Yeah, he did all of them. He did all oh, of okay. them. Okay, he's done all of them. And yes. he was he used to be a comedian, now he's a director and people alt right people went back trolling through his old Twitter feed and found like uh, offensive things that he had tweeted, kind of like jokes about pedophilia i guess is how you yeah, describe them yeah they were them. pretty nasty yeah. yeah they they were pretty bad but disney promptly like fired him immediately and was like nope we're not condoning this we're not having anything to do with this even though these tweets were you know from like 6 7 years ago but in the like weeks since a lot of the actors who were in guardians of the galaxy have been like no like we want james gunn to direct us he's great you know these are things that he said in the past these are not beliefs that he's holds now he has apologized Mm. we don't understand why you fired him so quickly based on these things that he said eight years ago i said bad things eight years ago and i'm still working yeah so now there's like a petition going around and a lot of the actors who are in guardians of the galaxy are trying to get him reinstated yeah another wrinkle well i don't know i mean i sort of don't think that they're going to bring him back just because it's disney and they've already made up their mind right but i think the more interesting part of it of this story which i didn't realize at first is that the alt-right people are not just doing this to james gunn basically they're saying like we're gonna (laughs) go back through every like liberal person's old twitter accounts and like try to find stuff and get them (laughs) fired off of things so they've like gone after sarah silverman they're especially going after comedians because they're more likely to have said something kind of racy in the past stupid yeah But 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 so then in response to that ryan johnson who directed the last star wars movie and is another you know like young director went and like deleted all of his tweets there's all of these famous people now who have just like are deleting everything because they're like who knows who could be coming after me (laughs) i don't know get rid of it all (laughs) that's probably good that's a good move i think just cleanse the palate maybe it's sort of entertaining to watch but at the same time it is really kind of scary to think that yeah like someone could go back to tweets i had in middle school and be like i'm sorry you're not qualified for the job anymore because you said something that was like offensive back then that you know well now is offensive but like right. you didn't realize at that point scary yeah no life. it's true it's like a, it's crazy how 
quickly things turn into these witch hunts, which you kind of hope, like, I mean, to me, I would never have tweeted anything close to what James Gunn tweeted. Like, those Mm -hmm. were very creepy, gross, weird to me, and not at all funny or smart or interesting or, like, even complex. They were just bad. And so it's like, well, maybe he does deserve a slap on the wrist, but it's also weird that it's, like, this alt-right who's, like, literally now dictating Disney's actions in a way it's very messy i'm not sure like how what i want like how i feel about it necessarily (laughs) yeah and it's not like the roseanne Barr situation where she like tweeted something while she was on the show that was really offensive right like this is something that was tweeted before he ever even like came in contact with guardians of the galaxy so it is an interesting an interesting dilemma but what else do you have for us shelby Oh, well, this is a weird one, and I have bigger ones to talk about, but I just was really (laughs) put off by this story, and it's about social media again, so it feels relevant, but there's this tweet that went viral this week about this girl who realized she has a picture of her as a little girl with Blake Lively at a Spice Girls concert, and Blake Lively, who was like a teenager at the time, had dressed up as Baby Spice, and this little girl thought it was the real Baby Spice, so she took a picture with her, not knowing this girl would go on to become an actor and famous and whatever and so she tweeted it out it went viral Blake Lively retweeted it which is like wow that's crazy cool confirmed story and then this girl responded and was like OMG Blake Lively thanks so much would you mind just tagging my personal account and I don't know why (laughs) it like really it was like why are we like this like you just had this crazy celebrity encounter and the first thing you think of is like oh how many followers can I get from this to like watch my weird personal life it's just like who are you Bethany you know like you're not anything special like who's gonna really follow you and enjoy it you had this one flash in the pan sort of like crazy coincidence it doesn't mean you deserve like (laughs) thousands of followers to follow your daily life you know Are you telling me that if this happened to you, you would not have done the same exact thing? I would not have had the audacity (laughs) to tweet to tweet a celebrity and be like um hello tag my personal like I would just be like oh my gosh Blake Lively just tweeted a photo of me and it's like I mean it's not hard to go back and find the viral tweet and realize who it was yeah. like it's not like yes. that is so true it's not like an ownership issue so we it's really just a thirst Bethany. thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like this is just like ugh. it's like can't you just enjoy this crazy thing that just happened in your life instead of being like ah I need I need personal validation. I need the followers. Like she didn't mm. even ask Blake Lively to follow her. She's just like tag me. <laughs> <laughs> tag me next time, Blake, please. Yeah, my gosh. If you're going to repost I my know. pic, Blake, like at least tag me. <laughs> yeah, Dear photo Lord. cred. In another saga <laughs> of people going downhill quickly. Did you see that Uh-oh. Lady Gaga has declared her Las Vegas I residency? <laughs> Yes, I was shocked. I was so surprised. I was like, is Vegas cool now? Are they trying to make it cool? Like, what's happening? Well, so she's doing... This whole story is rife with strange things because she's doing a (laughs) residency, but it's basically only like 40 shows that she's doing there. It's not like she's going to be there a long time. It's sort of just like, she's like, instead of touring this year, I'm just going to do all my shows in one place. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then also, because she's friggin' Lady Gaga and weird as all get out, she has two shows. She has one that's called Enigma, 
that's like her weird poker facey kind Pop. of like meat dress yeah. persona. Uh-huh. And then she has another one that's like piano and jazz, which is just basically her <laughs> playing like, I don't know, old Tony Bennett jazz songs at a piano. So you can buy tickets yeah. to both because she's trying to, you know, rack up more money. But to me, what this signaled is that this movie that she's in probably isn't that good. Because if it was good, why would she be doing a Vegas residency? Answer me that. Maybe it's like her farewell to her pop life and she's going to transition to acting because she did so Ugh. well in this one and she's going to get an Oscar for it and she's going to become a... <laughs> she's going to become the next Meryl Streep, you know? That's like... This is her farewell tour. You if ever that thought happens, about that, Matt? <laughs> yeah, uh, if that happens, come March, I will be quitting podcasting and never watching movies again. I'll be in. Yeah. <laughs> like, what will my life even mean at that point? Oh, well, what if you like this movie? I'm so excited for you to sit down and watch it and just burst into tears halfway through realizing that this is your favorite movie of 2018. Nope. 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 Star is born. <laughs> what else you got okay, for but- us? Okay, this is, I've been so excited to talk about this. Keeping up with the Kardashians has like such a place in my heart. They had their like whatever season premiere this 15. last weekend. 15. Season 15. Oh my gosh. It was so dramatic. And it's sort of like interesting because I love the early Kardashians. Like those early seasons. Oh my gosh. I made my husband watch them. He became obsessed with them. It's like, the glory years before they realized how famous they'd become and like they were still sort of like normal-ish and it was just a lot less about like oh drama about a photo shoot and more like how dare you talk about my boyfriend that way you know yeah so anyways it's kind of lost interest for me because they're just like over there's an oversaturation there where they overshare everything on their social media and then you just get to rehash it in their show. But this premiere was a huge deal because the teaser for it was just this blow up fight between Courtney and Kim. So Kim, I guess, is organizing the family Christmas photo and Courtney wasn't having any of it. And they got in this huge fight because Courtney was basically like, I am a mom and I don't want to do any of this crap. I have my priorities straight. And Kim, who's the mother of three children, sort of took offense to that and was like, you're just a boring sister. No one even likes you. You're the least interesting to look at. (laughs) And like, it got ugly. And then Courtney called later and was like, you guys are just so toxic. I hate everything you're doing. I just have different priorities. Drama, drama, drama. And everyone was on Courtney's side because it's like the Kardashians are sort of vapid and shallow and maybe don't have their priorities straight. I mean, Courtney is clearly the best Kardashian. This is a definitive fact that I have established. So I'm 100% always on Team Courtney. And Courtney's MO in all of the seasons is like, I'm like too cool for this. Like, I am. <laughs> a mom i have like my priorities lined up isn't she or is it her or chloe who's, who gives kim the line of like your sister's going to prison kim in the one season yeah oh. no that's courtney chloe was going to prison so yes, courtney has right. always been like the the cool kind of like unbothered kardashian and so then this while this premiered they always live tweet which feels a little fake to me, so I don't know if this was staged. But basically, they got into the fight again over Twitter, where Courtney was like, 
retweeting fans who were like, I'm team Courtney. Like, I totally agree. And she's like, yeah, it's just like so hard. Like, I don't care about these anymore. And I, you'll see through this season, I really have to reevaluate my priorities and see if this is something I want to do. And Kim's like, I'm still a mom and I work too, just because you're like so lazy. Like, you really want to get into this fight again, Courtney? And like, (laughs) (laughs) lots of drama. And I don't know. I just like, I used to think Kim was really funny and, now I just think she's like kind of childish and like she really thinks like the shade and the clapbacks are like what's fun about life. And it's just like, ugh, she's just kind of like too much now, you know, it's sort of hard to watch someone in their 30s act like that, you know? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and and and. Taylor Swift is almost 30, so hopefully (laughs) once she gets there, she'll clean up her act as well. No, 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 because that's the thing is like Taylor Swift is problematic if you want to go there. But Kim, I think it really like left a bad taste in my mouth when she went after Chloe Grace Mortez or whatever. Moretz. Yes. Good job, (laughs) Chelsea. (laughs) I just don't care about this actress. But... She's like a 17-year-old and Kim like came at her in such a childish way and then proceeded to send her like her haters, her perfume samples or whatever. Yeah, and but Chloe Grace Moretz is like is real annoying and she has like a real <laughs> stick up her butt too. Like I don't know if you heard this story, but she was in a movie last year that was also starring Louis CK and uh-huh. of course, you know, Louis CK turned out to be a creep the movie like didn't go anywhere and she was like posting uh like this was the movie that i was going to win an oscar for and then louis ck had to go and ruin it and people were like no this you were not gonna win an oscar for this chloe grace but i'm glad that you think that you're going to so you know (laughs) what she she can also go like they're all in a group of a bunch of people who are sort of like they're all just shallow and vapid and they're all the same Drama. (laughs) Drama, drama, drama. But you know who does not have any drama because he is an angelic soul is Winnie the friggin' Pooh. (laughs) You're right. I can't wait to hear you talk about this. I'm like, so I left the theater feeling warm and fuzzy, but I I was kind of surprised by how ecstatic you were about it. So are you a big Winnie the Pooh fan or did this film alone just like make you a fan? I mean, I am not a particular Winnie the Pooh fan. I mean, I've watched, I watched like the old animated things. I think I saw like the Tigger movie or the Piglet movie at one point, but I (laughs) could not tell you what they were about at all other than Tigger and Piglet, obviously. But I feel like... I don't know if it's because I am getting older or because of the climate we live in, but I feel like anything that has earnest characters in it, I am just obsessed with and like very hungry for. I loved yeah. the Mr. Rogers documentary. I loved eighth grade. I loved Ladybird last year. And this, yeah. I feel like, is just in the same vein. It's like Winnie the Pooh and all of the other, you know, stuffed animals are just so kind and genuine. I'm just sitting there in the theater like, ah, this is so perfect. This is exactly what I needed. Yeah. I felt so uplifted leaving the theater. There were so many great moments in the movie. I just, like, couldn't get enough of it. Oh, good. How was the theater experience? Was it a full house? Um. Well, I went and saw it on... When did I see? I think Sunday night. 
So there wasn't okay. a ton of people in there. Because I, I think it was like, yeah. I saw it at 8.30 maybe. So it was after the kids would have seen it. Like there weren't any kids in my yeah. theater. So it was mostly just like, you know, adults who are trying to, <laughs> you know, find happiness in this world. Yeah, that's what I thought was interesting. I was sort of curious to see who the audience for this film would be. Because it's sort of gotten... It's gotten good reviews. I think it's like in the low 70s on Rotten Tomatoes, but like it has like an 8 out of 10 on IMDb. And so it's like clearly connecting with the audience, which is primarily adults. But when I went to the theater, it was just like peppered with a few families and then like just these loner adults who were probably still reeling from the movie pass loss and (laughs) in it for the last couple showings. But it was fun to watch because all these kids were kind of like laughing at the jokes or whatever. But all the adults, you could kind of like hear like they kind of were more like there were like these laughs of like frustration and like understanding whenever Christopher Robin had to do something adult and grown up. And it's just like everyone seemed so tired in the theater. They like could relate to Christopher Robin so much. And everyone was just like, oh, when he finally like found peace and tranquility through the film and so it was like interesting to see that the audience that this movie that's clearly a children's film in a lot of ways still grabbed this like very adult audience and I think it was like a very a mature story I guess yeah yeah definitely and I it is interesting to kind of talk about the response that it's gotten really quick yeah so on rotten tomatoes it has a 69 percent of the critic score but a 91 percent on the fan score and whenever there's a difference by such like a huge margin i feel like the that means that the critics like didn't understand what like the movie was trying to do you (laughs) know just don't get it yeah it's like the greatest showman you know (laughs) yeah yeah keep beating that drum shelby But but I do think it the the budget was seventy five million and it only made thirty million globally this weekend, which isn't to say really? I mean I'm, I'm, it will probably earn back its budget in the long run. Yeah. But like it's not it wasn't a huge opening and maybe some of that is the movie pass shenanigans. Um, <laughs> and you know it was up against like Mission Impossible and The Incredibles and Hotel Transylvania are both still out in theaters, so there is like other chil- there are other children's movies available. Mm-hmm. But I watching it i was like i don't understand why this movie isn't doing a lot better because i think it does have a lot of merit to it well what's interesting is that it's like it came out in august like when i first saw the trailer i thought it was like a november december movie like i thought it would be more of those christmas holiday feel good movies and so it's sort of a weird time to release it and i don't know if that kind of impacted it or why they chose this release date for it yeah i mean i definitely think it did august is usually sort of like a dumping ground for movies yeah. that aren't going to be huge summer blockbusters so you didn't put them early in the summer they're also not going to be like awards bait so you're not saving them for the fall august yeah. is kind of in there with you know like Feb- january february march is sort of like dead months in movies but i think <laughs> yeah. i was so i was looking up you know disney's kind of release schedule for this movie and yeah. it's interesting because even though i didn't necessarily think of it this way originally it's part of their larger live action reboot um <laughs> series that they've got going on yeah and so like they've done cinderella they've done jungle book beauty and the beast um 
Alice in Wonderland was the one that really like started them off doing all of these. <laughs> but I guess that's true. They have like 10 more coming up in the next like year. So I think it might be less of, oh, like this is not a great movie. We're going to dump it in August. And more of like, oh, shoot, we have so many of these coming up that like <laughs> we're going to have to put them in months that don't necessarily get big press because Dumbo, Aladdin, and Lion King are all coming out next year. Like, that's insane. Wait, I thought Dumbo was this year. Is it not? Maybe it's this Christmas. Maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe it's this Christmas. But anyways, within the next year, there's three of them coming out. How do you feel about the, the like, live <laughs> animated versions of these in general? Well, I understand that they're, like, all different creators, writers, directors, whatever. But it's sort of weird that they can't pick, like, a tone or a angle because I loved the live action Cinderella. I loved it. I thought it was so beautiful and, like, so fun and such a... I mean, as fresh as a take can be on Cinderella at this point and kind of a little more nuanced than you get. But I hated Beauty and the Beast because it was just like almost it was just so weird and like too close to the Disney animated one, but also added really weird pieces. And also it just like highlighted how creepy the story was. And then Jungle Book was really beautiful, but I was sort of like, is Jungle Book something we need a lot of? And then suddenly there's like three other Jungle Books coming out. Yeah. it's. I just don't know what they're trying to accomplish or do. Or like, I feel like if they had wanted to just remake all their classics, then maybe it'd be better to kind of pick how they wanted to remake them. Yeah. Because right now it just feels sort of all over the place. Yeah, I think... Part of the issue is that some of them are stick very closely to the original movie yes. and some of them are like totally different. Like I went and saw Maleficent in theaters back when that came out a couple years ago and like almost fell asleep. It was so bad. I hated it. <laughs> but like that was a complete yeah. like that was like a prequel. It was a completely different story than right. the actual Sleeping Beauty. This one yeah. is like a sequel in the distant future from the you know, original Winnie the Pooh when Christopher Robin is a kid. Right. I've heard that the Mulan version, like, isn't Ugh. going to have, like, dragons, but then, like, the bad no, guy is going to be some so woman. Mad. It's going to be, like, a completely different storyline. And I was like, Mulan is They're one of the best it. movies. Why are, you, why are you changing this, Disney? Idiots. I just, I know. What makes me the most mad, though, is, like, you can mess with this story or whatever. Like, you can add stuff, but, like, you can't take away the essence. And, like, for Mulan is especially the whole point is that she uses like her brains and her wits to outsmart these like strong dudes and that's like the whole thing and instead they're making her have a superpower and it makes me it makes me so mad because it just like robs that story of its like strength and the interesting part of it which is that you don't have to be like this tough as nails dude to save an entire country you just have to be smart and empathetic and like think outside the box yeah yeah, it's really frustrating. I forgot about Mulan. <laughs> Dang which, it. which one of the upcoming movies, I'm going to list them out for you, are you the most okay. excited about and the least excited about? Okay. okay so Mulan. we have Dumbo, <laughs> Aladdin, The Lion King, Mulan, and Maleficent 2. And I'll throw in Mary Poppins <laughs> okay. for good. For That's not uh, quite there, but I'll throw it in anyways. Mary Poppins, we can't talk about. I do not like Lin-Manuel. I just don't know how I feel about that. But for Mary Poppins and Maleficent, I guess, I don't know if I'd count. The, at least Mary Poppins, I wouldn't count as like a live action remake because 
it's just a sequel. And Maleficent, too, is like literally a sequel to a movie I didn't like. So I just don't think about it. But I think the movie I'm most excited about is Aladdin because I think they were really careful with the casting. And so I'm curious to see if that applies to the story, too. Mm -hmm. And if they were kind of like very conscious of that. And so I kind of have hopes for that one. And then Mulan is definitely the one that I'm just like, nope. I just don't believe, I just don't trust him. I don't want it. I don't want to see it. I love Mulan too much. So <laughs> yeah. what about you? I am actually really excited for Dumbo. I loved that movie yeah. growing up. And I think that that is an interesting one to remake in live action because they're, I think it will be a really cool spectacle to watch. There's a lot of really interesting stuff that you can do with CG now with all of the circus yeah. animals and, you know, everything else that's going on there. But yeah, the Mulan one, I am not looking forward to. Hopefully that one doesn't come out till 2020. So hopefully Disney yeah. realizes, oh, this isn't what people want. Like, let's just give them straight Mulan. Yeah. And they took away the love interest dude. I don't remember his name, but they took him out. So it's like they need to clean that up. So yeah. they have time. They need to fix that. With Dumbo, I'm sort of curious because, like, I didn't watch it a lot as a kid. I don't remember a lot, but it seems like they're adding a lot because they have those human characters. And were those in the original? Not really. No. So those okay. are definitely added. But I think that the Dumbo really, there's not a lot of plot to it, the first or yeah. the original. So I think that there's a lot of room for them to expand the plot. Where something like Mulan okay. that has so much great plot, I feel like there's not a lot of room to right. like change it. You should just make it the same that it was with right. real people. But but let's get into Winnie the Pooh or act Christopher Robin as this movie. Christopher Robin, yeah. <laughs> not to be confused with um What's the other one called? Uh, Goodbye, Christopher Robin, which came out last oh, okay. year to little fanfare. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Did you see I it? I honestly didn't know. I didn't know it came out. Like I I saw trailers for this one and I was like, wait, I thought they just did a Christopher Robin movie. Like I was very confused by it all. Well, they did. But they that did wasn't Disney, was it? No, it was yeah. Fox Searchlight. And it wasn't about Christopher Robin. It was about the man who wrote Winnie the Pooh, A.A. Milne. So it wasn't Pooh and all of the other characters weren't in it. It was just sort of about the man who wrote it. But similar title and like six months after the last one came (laughs) out. So I don't know who was in charge of marketing on these. but, But so did you like it? What were your thoughts? So I did like it. I think I was at first kind of like unsure... I was sort of like waiting for something to happen because I keep I think I've just been trained. You know, you expect these big movies, you expect these big moments. But by the time it was over and I left the theater, I was kind of relieved that it was so simple and it was just kind of like easy film to get into. There wasn't like a lot of high stakes, like the big drama was about one work meeting, but it never felt like over the top and it just was like a really quiet soft film and it was really nice to just watch that and to just be able to like relax into this very simplistic almost like zen movie where yeah. you of course could predict different things you knew what was coming nothing ever really surprised you but it didn't matter because it wasn't about this big splashy story it wasn't about like who done it or whatever else it was just these characters and like a glimpse into this life and like remembering that you need to cherish these moments and so it was refreshingly different than what I'm used to yeah yeah I and to just set 
up the plot or reset up the plot for people who maybe haven't seen it. So this movie is about Christopher Robin as an adult. He is a workaholic dad and his wife and daughter are planning to go to the countryside with him for a weekend, but he can't go because of work. And through some bit of magic, Winnie the Pooh, who, you know, was Christopher Robin's childhood friend, shows up in London and kind of teaches Christopher that he really does appreciate his family and needs to like show them that he appreciates them and that the things that really matter in life are your family and the people that you care about and not necessarily work. And there's some plot elements involving like <laughs> going back into hundred the hundred acre wood and finding Pooh's friends and then getting back to the city. But really there's not much plot involved. It's mostly like yeah. kind of just fun conversations between Pooh and the other characters in Hundred Acre Wood and Christopher Robin and his family. And I think honestly, like what was the best part of this movie was the animation, the CGI. Like I was mesmerized by these little stuffed animals and I thought they were just so it was just such a beautiful film like all the shots which you could tell they were really proud of of like him and Winnie the Pooh on the hill with a red balloon or like all the animals marching through the woods like it was just so beautiful and I couldn't get over how much I loved that like animation style I've never seen anything like it really yeah because I think that the inclination would be oh just make like Winnie the Pooh's a bear just make him a bear but they went and made all of Pooh and Tigger and Piglet and Eeyore are all like old stuffed animals kind of come to life. Yeah. And so the animation on them is just incredible as they're moving and talking, but they, but they look like stuffed animals and, you know, they're going through the mud and the mud is getting on their, Mm -hmm. you know, fur or whatever, like the little fabric or yarn or whatever that's making them. And they're all faded and you can see the seams and it's just like, it's crazy. Like I would get distracted just like staring at Pooh Bear because I was like, oh my gosh, this looks just like one of my old stuffed animals. Like it's just, it was just wild to watch. It was very magical, I feel like. And the color scheme of the whole movie is in kind of these like muted colors. The whole thing just feels so perfect to the to the mood and the characters that are in it. Did you look up yeah. the other movies that Mark Forrester, who is the director for this, directed? Because it is the most random smattering of movies, <laughs> and I would never have predicted that they would have hired him. No, I didn't. So, previously to this, he has directed Monster's Ball, which is the movie that Halle Berry won her <laughs> Oscar for. Yeah. Stranger Than Fiction, which is the Will Ferrell movie where he's like being yeah. narrated. The Kite Runner. Quantum of Solace, World (laughs) War Z. Like, what are these movies? And yet yet he did such a good job with this, I thought. Yeah, no, he did. I think he took it really seriously. And I appreciated that because that was the thing, too, watching this movie with, like, kids in the theater. Like, I'm so used to dumb children's movies that I just hate. Like, Secret Life of Pets. Oh, my gosh. I cannot stand that movie and I was sitting in this theater (laughs) with these kids who were all like laughing at these stupid like pratfalls and like dumb like potty humor and like just it's just like we teach we treat our kids like they're just like morons who can only laugh at these stupid like exaggerated jokes and so it was really refreshing to like be in this movie where it's really just like 
I don't know if smart is the right word, but it's just like really thoughtful, quiet humor. And a lot they of still found play. it charming. Yeah. And they still laughed and stuff. And like, sure, there were like little like jokes about, you know, Winnie the Pooh getting covered in honey or whatever, but it never felt like cheesy. And yes. I loved that there was like this element of seriousness to the whole film from the color scheme to the to the way it was shot. And I think that that's probably why they needed some heavy hitter in there who <laughs> yeah well and and even the opening i thought was really well done where you're flipping back and forth between these like the hand drawings that were in the original mm-hmm. winnie the pooh books and then they kind of come to life and you'll see a scene and then it fades back into a drawing and the page turns and another drawing is there and then the next scene comes forward and they yeah. use this at the very beginning when Christopher Robin is going off to boarding school and they're showing kind of his last day in the hundred acre wood before he leaves and then doesn't come back until he's an adult. But then they also use that same picture to book switch with Christopher Robin growing up. So it's like a chapter Mm -hmm. book of his life. And I thought that was brilliant as you kind of track his arc from when he leaves hundred acre wood to him at the start of at the beginning of this movie as you and McGregor and just like how his father died and how he went off to war and how he met his wife. And it was just such like a beautiful poignant sequence with this great music behind it. And the art was really interesting and well done. I felt like just from the get go, everything in this movie was coming together so perfectly. Yeah. At first I was like sitting through that and I was wondering like, why do we need all this? You're just telling instead of showing like, why couldn't it just fast forward to him being a workaholic? And it wasn't until the end of the film that I like appreciated that beginning because to me it was like, Oh, well you could have just gotten without that. Like you don't need to see all these little vignettes. You could just like show us that later. Like he's an adult, like he's grumpy. He's stuck at work. He doesn't know how to feel joy anymore. But by the end of the movie, you like realize that there's like a lot of like subliminal messaging going on and like really interesting cultural grounding and I thought it was really crazy that they like subverted this like idea of a historical background and they really didn't like tell you what they were doing until you like realized oh wait we just like saw this like history this like cultural history of London at this time and like why he would feel so serious suddenly and like how not only losing his father forced him to grow up quickly but he had to go to this war he didn't ever expect to be a part of. He had to see like his friends die and come home injured. And like he was dealing with all these like heavy things that you like you could have imagined there if he had just been like a grumpy workaholic. But having that like depth of why he was so stuck in it kind of like helped me empathize with him more because it wasn't just that he had a job. It was that he felt this responsibility to not only take care of his family but to like he had lost like hope or dreams or something because he'd seen so much horrible stuff like through the war and through this like dreary London world post-war where everyone's just trying to survive and no one has time for holiday and no one can buy suitcases because no one's going on trips and so yeah it was kind of it was interesting like seeing how it all came together at the end of the film to be more than Mm -hmm. maybe what it looks like on the surface And I also liked in that beginning sequence how they did keep cutting back to Winnie the Pooh and how he's waiting for Christopher Robin by the tree that Christopher usually comes into the Hundred Acre Wood through. And just like, yeah, Christopher Robin is Winnie the Pooh's friend and 
Pooh cares so much about him and is waiting for him every single day. And even though Christopher Robin kind of forgets about Pooh and doesn't think about him, I, I it was like sort of heartbreaking to watch those scenes at the beginning and think like, oh, like Pooh is just such a sweetheart and cares so much for Christopher Robin. I know. And, and I feel like that is who we all want to be, but I think we all are Christopher Robin and we don't care about people as much as we hope that we would. And this movie just like reminds you, I think to, to care about other people, which is such an important lesson that I don't think we listen to enough. Like it wasn't like shoving this message down your throat in a neat little package because it was sort of nuanced. Like not only did Christopher Robin have to realize that he needed fun in his life, but he needed to like learn to listen to his daughter and like, not make her do something that he felt like he had to do because that's what you need to do. And like, there were just a lot of layers that I wasn't necessarily walking in there expecting there to be. I guess I kind of like, I had low expectations for this one. And I honestly was kind of surprised to have them like (laughs) be so impressed by this film. And I'm not sure if I loved it as much as you did, but I don't know. What was your favorite part of the movie? I'm curious. Like what scene or moment mattered the most to you? I mean, I loved the whole sort of journey with Pooh and Christopher Robin going back to the Hundred Acre Wood because there's this plot line where Pooh can't find his friends. So and and Pooh can't get back into the tree that he comes out to in London to to meet Christopher Robin. So Christopher has to drive him or they take the train, I guess, back to his country home growing up but the whole journey Pooh is just like sort of distracted (laughs) and like just very happy to be with Christopher Robin he keeps asking for snacks he's like oh I want a balloon and Christopher Robin is (laughs) in such a hurry because he's like I have to get Pooh back to this house find the friends and then get back to this meeting that I have for work and I just loved all of the little like one-liners that Pooh had and I wrote down some (laughs) of them um, so I loved when Pooh shows up and Chris Robin's like, oh, I must be imagining this. And he goes, ah, it's stress. And Pooh goes, it's not stress. It's Pooh. <laughs> I was just like <laughs> yeah. dying laughing. And then also when they go to the train station to buy the tickets, the man selling the tickets is in a little booth and Pooh goes, why is he in a cage? Which I just also <laughs> yeah. thought was really funny. So I love no, that whole sequence. So Did you have a favorite part? I loved when they were in the Hundred Acre Woods and he has this big fight with Pooh because they're just going in circles and he's so frustrated and somehow they get separated. And the whole idea is that hundred acre woods has these monsters called the, the heffalumps heffalumps. Yeah. And so there's a scene where he starts where Christopher Robbins alone and he hears this weird noise and he starts to get worried. It's really a heffalump and he falls and he keeps running and then he falls into their trap that as kids they had built to catch heffalumps and so it was just like I mean it was very on the nose but for some reason it like really like stuck with me I was like because you realize like oh he's this grumpy old monster who's like ruining the fun of everyone he's become this heffalump his life is like this sad depressing thing and he's stuck in this hole and he has like this montage moment where 
you like see how everything has brought him to this moment, like this literal lowest point where he's just in this hole, he's knocked unconscious, he's in the rain and he's running away from what like scares him the most, which is becoming this heffalump, which he has then become. And then, and then finally, like he gets out and he finds the friends and he has to like vanquish the heffalump to convince them that he's really Christopher Robin and not this monster himself. And he finally has fun, and that's like his big breakthrough. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's like an, um, the emotional crux of the film is him finally laughing and enjoying and pretending again. But just like the setup of that, where you're like, you just realize, like, Ugh, I think that's what was so cool about the film is you just see yourself in it, and you're just like, mm-hmm. man, adults really just like it ruins everything, and you just like lose yes. that magic. And the whole time watching the film, you're just like, oh, I wish I was a kid again, just playing in Hundred Acre Woods. Yeah, underreported story: being an adult is the worst, and nobody <laughs> tells is. you that it's when such you're a, a kid. Drag. You're like, oh, being an adult so cool. <laughs> and now that I'm adult, I'm like, no, this is like the worst thing that could have ever happened to me. Why did nobody warn me that this was so <laughs> horrendously bad? I know. It's bad when you're like, you're like watching Christopher Robin and he has to stay at work to like, to figure out a way to not fire everyone in his department. And I was like, well, this is important. Like, why is this film trying to tell me that he shouldn't be at work doing this? Like, this is a responsibility he has to fulfill. Like, sorry, not every day can be fun, Winnie the Pooh. And I, like, felt that way. Like, I was strangely, like, defensive of him having to do this. And I'm like, well, everyone should be more understanding. Like, this is not the weekend to suddenly feel like you need to put your foot down. Like this is a real big problem. And I love that they made it that instead of just being like, Oh, I just have to work another weekend, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really interesting because I think that a lesser movie would have made Christopher Robin less sympathetic, but I think his rationale for working hard is very realistic and is the, thing that people who work hard do say where he tells his daughter like you know I'm working hard now so that we can have nicer things later and that dreams don't come for free and I feel like both of those things are things that like my parents would say that I would say when I'm working hard and I think it's easy to get caught up in those and be lost and not you know be living in the moment which is what Pooh is obviously all about but as I was after I'd watched this I went on to Rotten Tomatoes and was like looking at the scores and the critics like I said gave it Mm a 69 percent and I found Mm -hmm. this one review from a critic at the (laughs) rap that I wanted to read because I just feel like this is the like this is terrible and this is exactly what the (laughs) movie was working against and I feel like I need to vent and unpack this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, so please. Alonzo Duraldi from the rap said uh, that name the movie dropping. was... Yeah, I know. He's Come <laughs> at me, bro. He said that the movie was slow and charmless. And then he wrote, what we're left with is a hook-style midlife crisis movie aimed at kids designed to shame parents who spend too much time <laughs> at the office and not enough time with their families. And I was like, that yeah. was the message you took away from this? <laughs> like, that we're shaming parents? Like, no, that is not the yeah. message of this movie. The message is that you're supposed to, like, if you love somebody, you should spend time with them. And the fact yeah. that he didn't get it, and then I went and stalked him, and I was like, oh, you sad, sorry little man. Like, no wonder you didn't like this movie. You look miserable. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's what I loved too about the movie is like, it could have been like, oh, I'm a workaholic, like, like sort of like Elf, you know, this guy who's just like business, business, business. I'm a bad businessman. Yeah, I don't care. And then, 
okay, I realized this. And so now I'm going to quit responsibilities be damned. And instead in this movie, you have this guy who's like, Oh wow. I'm responsible for this department. If I don't work this weekend, they're all going to be fired. I have to problem solve. And so throughout the film, even when Winnie the Pooh is distracting him and you like, like him and you want him to relax and have time with Winnie the Pooh, you're also like, well, he does have this really big responsibility and it's a really important thing. And then the best part to me was that he didn't just walk away and quit. He found a way to balance everything and he went back and he's like, this is my job. I found the solution. I'm going to take more time for me, but that doesn't mean I'm not doing a good job here too. And -hmm. I thought that was like so refreshing because every big moment I think with a workaholic or some sort of job related crisis is that they end up quitting and they're like, I'm better. I need something else beyond this job. And here instead, he's like, you know what? I can do this. Like I can do this right. And like, it doesn't mean that I have to like suddenly run away to the country and live in poverty to be happy. It's like, well, I do need a job. I do have responsibilities, but I can also take the time I need to like be healthy with my family and that will inspire me to do better at my job work life and I was like balance. yes <laughs> yes is so important oh so I loved that about the movie that's too bad that that reviewer didn't quite capture that I know like like what did he even watch the whole movie like what was he <laughs> I think I think this is what happened I think he felt guilty because he's probably a workaholic <laughs> yeah. and did not want to give this movie a truthful review because then it would mean that he would have to examine his own life so <laughs> probably look at me playing armchair psychologist yeah. <laughs> with this movie reviewer what's his name alonzo yeah you cracked the code man you should uh, write him a letter maybe i know it's interesting i think it is like one of those quiet films that a lot of people won't see that won't necessarily get a lot of awards or attention but it is like one of those refreshing films because it's so like It's just so simple. And it's like sometimes really nice to not have to think about like these splashy action films or to think about like these silly over the top kid films. Like this is just this is just like a sweet, tender, real movie. That's just it really recenters you if you just let it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Everyone should go see this who is like feeling stressed (laughs) or overwhelmed. Go with your family. Take a good friend. And then afterwards, you can just like tell the friend how important they are to you. (laughs) It's great. It's great. I know. It honestly, I was like very, I was very tired, very anxious going into this movie. I was feeling like overwhelmed by a lot of things. And this just kind of acted as like this really like therapeutic like detox session where it was just like, okay, just sit and be present. Just let this melancholy flow over you and out. Focus on Winnie the Pooh's voice and breathe. And I was just like, (laughs) I just left feeling like so much better because I was like, yeah, life sucks. Life's hard. Life's overwhelming. But there's a lot of good there. And you just have to remember to like focus on those moments and like make time for those moments. And so... It was nice. It was tender. Yes. So tender. So do you think, well, I'm curious, do you think it will get any attention in the Academy or award season, I guess? Um, I kind of doubt it. I mean, I really think that it probably should be nominated for some kind of technical award yeah. having to do with how great the animation is on the on Winnie the Pooh and the other 
stuffed animals but like it's not an animated film so it's not going to be nominated in that category i don't think it's probably strong enough to be nominated in you know like a screenwriting or a directing category maybe in some kind of like visual effects i don't know but probably not That'll probably go to things, you know, more like Avengers or, uh, <laughs> y- you know, like Ant-Man. Jurassic Park. Things that have more, yeah. a bigger spectacle. But but yeah. I wish. I If it got nominated for something, that would just be fine and dandy <laughs> with me. But I kind of doubt it. Yeah, well, you'll always have it, you know. You can watch it again and again. Yeah. Yeah, just wait till we get to our year-end movie rankings <laughs> podcast because it will do extremely yeah. well there with me. <laughs> I'm so excited to see how that shakes out. I've been tr- keeping yeah. track of mine and I just like, it's kind of been a slow year, but I guess all my favorites of last year came out towards the end. So Yeah, yeah, that's the same. I'm, so we'll I'm definitely see. looking at my list of movies. I think I've seen like 30 some right now and I'm yeah. sort of like, Okay, like there's some that I really like at the top, but there's just a lot of in the middle that are kind of like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, like in the middle or towards the end. I'm like, I've really padded the bottom 10, but I don't know what's going to make it to the top. So, yeah, but we've got time. We've got time to work through that. We'll have this podcast. (laughs) We got like five months worth of hopefully really good movies. And I'm saving that nice sweet spot at the bottom for a star is born. Uh, but speaking of things that we love and hate, did you like that segue? Oh, that was really good. Yeah. <laughs> Nicely planned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What do you love or hate this week, Shelby? Well, so I reread The Lost World by Michael Crichton. And oh. I reread the Jurassic Park books every few years. So I was overdue on this one. And it's just like, I really love it. I honestly, it might I don't know if it's better than Jurassic Park, but I love it. And it, I think a lot of people need to read it. And I was thinking, like, something needs to happen. Like, I don't know who's in charge of it. I don't know if Michael Crichton has lost all the rights since he made Lost World, the movie. But someone needs to re-purchase well, he's dead. that. <laughs> well, his house, whoever, someone, whoever's <laughs> responsible for this, like... His estate. For these rights, needs to buy it and make a mini-series about it because... I cannot describe how different The Lost World, the book, is from the movie. Like, you think Jurassic Park is different from the book, but no. Like, like The Lost World is its own entity, and it deserves some screen time. And I think it'd be such a great TV show. And I just, I don't know who to email to, like, get this started. Like, so if anyone has any contacts or knows what's happening, like... The Lost World needs to be a mini series, and I think everyone would love it. I think it would do significantly better than the Jurassic World monstrosities that we are being infected with. Like, Ugh. I just, I need someone to cleanse the dinosaur palette and start again because I just love that book, and I just think everyone should read it and understand that there is so much cinematic power waiting to be to be found in those pages. You know. Yes, yes. I I have never read either of them, but you know, oh, I'm really? going to add them to the list. You yeah, need to. Just, yeah. They make me feel smart. <laughs> I was talking to a friend just like a couple weeks ago who said that he had just read Jurassic Park and that he was planning on reading The Lost World and I thought, "Oh, maybe I'll um check these out." But I haven't yes. yet. Yes. But No, you have to. They're so good. I the love list. them. Yes. What about you? Love it or hate it? So, 
in preparation for the Emmys, you know, all of the Emmy nominations are out. Oh, I've been yeah. trying to catch up on the shows that are nominated so that I can, you know, yeah. be a well-informed of course. not voter because I'm not voting, but, you know, <laughs> wannabe voter. And w- one show that got a lot of nominations is American Crime Story, The Assassination of Gianni Versace. Really? Yes. Because it, okay. it's basically sweeping the nominations for um, limited series. Okay. And that's a really weak category this year. There's that's, not very much yeah, good that's... stuff in there. And like, I think it has three of the supporting actor <laughs> nominees are from the same show. So that tells you something. Yeah. But I had start. I loved the OJ version yeah. of it, the first season. And I started watching this season when it came out, but it is like very grisly and violent <laughs> really? this, this new season and it like even a little bit violent for me and i love a good like grisly <laughs> kill scene in a show yeah. and so i sort of like put it aside and stopped watching it but when i saw that it got all these nominations i was like okay i need to like go back and finish this and i really lo- have loved the second half of the season i think huh. they put like all of the ghastly murders up front and then the second half is really a lot of like character focused scenes of these people before the murders it kind of like goes backwards in time strangely interesting and and they do a really good job with like bottle episodes where it's an episode like just focused on one like very specific piece of this trial and there's a whole episode about the murderer andrew cunanan who's played by darren chris and sort of his like boyfriend ish person and they're kind of like on a they're sort of on the run because Andrew has already killed one person and you know that Andrew is going to kill this boyfriend at the end of the episode uh-huh. and you're kind of just watching this like slow motion like train wreck but none of the other characters from the show are in that episode it's like literally only the two of them none of the other stars are there and it was just such like a really interesting like beautiful episode to watch and I thought you know th- like I think that this show does deserve all of these nominations it's like a really well crafted well put together I've been a Darren Chris fan since a very Potter musical. So I'm excited to hear he did well. Cause I, I, so the thing with Ryan Murphy is that I just don't trust him to be able to carry a second season ever of anything in his whole career. And so I just, (laughs) yeah, I didn't have high hopes for it, but maybe I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Um, I like it all the way around. Is it as good as a very Potter musical? Of course not. Like nothing, <laughs> nothing. could ever be. Yeah, it's a, cla- it's a classic. We should do it. I'm Draco Malfoy. Oh, so good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Holiday special. We're just doing a very Potter <laughs> yeah. musical. I will be yeah. performing all of the songs. But yeah. So catching up on those Emmy shows. Um, got some more to watch later. But this one was a good one. So. That's It'll, good I'll, to know. I'm excited for the Emmys. Excited for our episode about the Emmys to come in September. You're making me think I need to do my homework. We really should like split up the ones that we haven't watched. <laughs> do you watch This Is Us? Because I don't watch oh, that, I and do. I'm like, ugh. I, I, I hate watch that. So I've seen it all. Oh, great, great. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we're <laughs> further ahead than we thought. Did you watch okay. Genius Picasso? Because that looks terrible. <laughs> but that's also nominated. No, I didn't. But is the is the ultimate Maisie or whatever nominated? Oh, yes. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Because I haven't watched that and I don't really want to. So if you cover that one, 
I'll, I'll watch something <laughs> okay. else. <laughs> and I got Westworld, so that's okay. that one's down. <laughs> Let's see. Are they are they doing Insecure? Is Insecure nominated? I like that one. Um, I don't know, but I haven't watched that. We both watch Stranger Things. Oh, okay. I watch Game of Thrones. I feel like I'm not well versed in the comedies as much. Okay. As, like, um, I think I feel like you watch more of the like non-network, and I watch a lot of the network shows. So <laughs> we'll yeah. cover it between the two. Of like, us. do you watch Silicon Valley? Ugh, I tried. I never got into it. Okay. Do you still I'm watch sorry. Kimmy Schmidt? That got nominated. Oh, I like, did. I, it did? Oh, yes, really? For best comedy. Isn't that ridiculous? <laughs> there was a couple good episodes this season, but, but it was still just pretty okay. <laughs> Ugh. Well, when we come lots back for the Emmy episode, we'll have lots to talk yeah, about. <laughs> for sure. But do you have anything else? For this week? No, I think that's good. Everyone go see Winnie the or Christopher Robin. <laughs> yeah. See Christopher Robin. Write us reviews on our what is it, iTunes page? Yeah. Or Apple Podcasts. Find Follow us, there. us on social media. Yeah, please engage with us. It's really it's really hopping, so <laughs> Yeah, Get in yeah. There. send us comments and we'll talk about you on the show. You'll be celebrities. Yeah, exactly. We'll even tag you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not. Maybe. You might have to ask yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, well, I guess until next time, uh, bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.